Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church podcast. More information about Saving Grace is available at savinggracesda.org. And I thank Pastor for allowing me to speak to you this morning. It's indeed a time for Thanksgiving. We have so much to give God thanks for. And I would like to take a moment right now, wherever you are, just to just bow your heads. You're going to offer a word of prayer to God, thanking him for what he has done for you. For those who may not know how to pray, it's very simple. Open your heart, talk to God as you would talk to a friend. Let us all pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we have so much to give you thanks for. You have been blessing us, keeping us, and we are grateful. You have even given us another opportunity to come into your courts to worship you on this your blessed holy sabbath day we know that there are others in other countries who do not have this kind of freedom and lord we are grateful that we have this freedom that we're in a country that currently supports this freedom of worship where persons can simply walk off the streets into a church and feel unmolested. We thank you for your goodness towards us. And Lord, as we enter once again into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us. Give us the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding. But above all this, Heavenly Father, we ask that you may give us the power to apply your words unto our lives, to make it practical in our everyday living. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Celebrating God's blessings. As I reflected on this topic, I wondered to myself, how can you celebrate God's blessing in a year that we're still feeling the effects of a recession? How do you celebrate God's blessing in a year where our friends are still losing their jobs or cannot find any? When there are some persons, despite the abundance that this land possesses, there is still no food for some. How do you celebrate God's blessings when families are still being fragmented? There are still issues. When you think that the mere fact that you serve a living God, that things would be better, better personally, and you just don't see it happening. How do you celebrate God's blessings? I got an email from a friend. And it had to do with being thankful. The person said, 
we complain about the alarm clock in the morning. How it's waking us up when we want to get some more sleep. But we should be thankful for the alarm clock because at least we can hear it. We complain about having to open our eyes. Because we need a little bit more sleep. But we must be grateful because at least we can see. We complain about having to get out of bed. Man, I just wish I had another hour. But at least we should be grateful because we are not bedridden. We complain about having a stressful family. Things are just not right. It's not the way I would want it to be. But you must be grateful. At least you have a family. We complain about having to go to sometimes a very crummy and stressful job. But be grateful. At least you have a job. There are so many things to complain about. But those very sad things are things you can be thankful about. There's a song that I grew up on. It went like, many might know it. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Bet it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. We must count our blessings. Count them. And you'll be surprised, literally surprised, what God has been doing for you despite your circumstances. You know, in our scripture reading in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 38, it's a story of Hezekiah and his sickness, and of course his recovery. This story is also repeated in 2 Kings verse, 2 Kings chapter 20. And it speaks to a man who had lived his life for God, was faced with death. And in his prayer to the Lord is where our scripture reading came from. As we go into the word, once again, let us bow our heads. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit attend us in a special way right now. We ask that as we open your word, that we will see glimpses of your truth. Lord, we are all different. We all have different needs. But you are the great God. And Lord, as I speak to your people, if you have to change my words in mid-sentence, if you have to change it as it goes through the speakers, we ask that you will do it because we need to hear from you. Bless us as we enter into your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 38. Here, Hezekiah was told that he was going to die. Many of us don't have this opportunity. We don't know when we're going to die, but this man got the opportunity. He was told exactly when he was going to die. And then he said to the Lord in verse 17, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast 
in love to my soul, delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. For the grave cannot praise thee, neither death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord has, was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs to the string instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. After he had finished praying his prayer, the Lord said, I will give you 15 more years. Now we know, based on what the Bible says, that 15 years that followed were not his best years. But this man knew how to give God thanks. He thanked the Lord for the fact that his sins were cast behind the Lord's back, that he was indeed forgiven, and that he had the gift, the tongues to praise the Lord for what he has done for him. You know, I was telling a congregation just two Sabbaths ago that sometimes we come to church and we find so many things to complain about in church. Things not going right or going the way it should. Things not going according to plan. And I said to them, if you spend your time complaining how bad things are in church, there's no way you can truly worship God and enjoy his presence. Because your mind will be so caught up with all these other things going on around you. Indeed, the devil will put so many things before you that you lose track and sight of what is truly important. There's a parable that speaks to the seed being sown in various soils. But the last example that Christ gave was the one that the seed fell among thorns. And the other one was on good ground. And this parable speaks to persons who are in church. The persons who are surrounded by thorns and thistles, cares of this world, choking out their Christianity, and they sit and they complain about all that they're going through, and they are just not productive. They're not fruitful because they're so busy taking care of all the thorns in their life. But then there's a good ground. These individuals are enjoying the Christianity. They are bearing fruit because they recognize that they are abiding in the real branch and the vine. They are abiding in the Lord. We need to recognize that despite what we are going through, we must celebrate God's blessing. Turn your Bibles to Romans. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And this verse is well known. But often, we fail to apply it onto our lives. You may have a boss who doesn't like you, or a teacher who may have not, they may, they may not be doing their best. You may not be their favorite. Or as that sister heard about today, who we need to pray for, where her two granddaughters were killed. Can we give God thanks for something as tragic as that? Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. The Bible declares, 
And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. How can all things work together for good? How is this possible when so many bad things are happening all around us? For us to truly understand what Paul was trying to say, that all things work to good, we must first understand the context in which Paul was speaking. So go up a couple of verses to verse 24. Romans 8 and verse 24. And this is the context in which Paul penned these words. For we are saved by what, my friends? We are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not what? For what a man see it, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart know it was in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The context that Paul has is that we need to have hope. Now, the Adventist church is built on this concept of hope. In fact, our anthem rings out, we have this hope that burns within our hearts. Hope is the coming of our Lord. As Christians, we are called to have hope. We are called to see things beyond the reality what faces us. We are called to look beyond. In fact, I remember saying to a couple that if they continue to argue amongst themselves about how bad each other may be, then they're losing sight of having a good marriage. They're so bitter. They're so, you know, you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that, that they lose sight and they can't grow because they, they fail to see beyond the failings of each other. I said to them, if you really want to grow as a couple, then begin to have some hope. You may not see what's going on now. You may not see what you want in your spouse, in your partner. But if you look beyond that and hope for something better and hope for the good, then you'll begin to grow. For us to truly make it through this world, we have to take our eyes off the things all around us and hope for something greater. We have to see with the lens that God has given us. We need to have hope. But not just hope. Prayer is a part of it. Sometimes when your heart is so burdened, you can't even utter a word. You can't even say anything. You don't even know what to say to God. You don't have to worry because even in that time, the Holy Spirit will step in and he knows your heart. And when you can't say anything, he will still represent your prayer to God. It's amazing the kind of God that we serve. The children were told about how before that little girl even prayed for that loaf of bread, the Lord had instructed a man to already pack a loaf of bread and walk to that person's house. That's the kind of God that we serve. Before you even ask, he answers. So therefore, my friends, we must simply have hope in the God that we serve. 
if we recognize that God has our best interest at heart, we have nothing to fear. You know, Ellen G. White says, we have nothing to fear for the future unless we forget the way the Lord has led us and is leading in times past. We need to recognize that God is looking out for us. He's looking out for you. He's watching over you. And he's trying to protect you and guard you and keep you. And even though you may be going through a rough patch and difficulties, don't worry. You can still rejoice because the Lord will carry you through. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's the God that we serve. You know, if you go back to verse 28, I want you to notice something about that verse. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. The first thing to notice in that verse is that the verse didn't say that everything was good. It didn't tell you that everything is good. It didn't tell you that as a Christian, as a servant of God, as a believer in God, that you will have a nice life, a bed of rose, and everything will be easy. You will have difficulties, and those difficulties are not good things. They're bad things. But don't worry, it will work for the good. God will somehow transform that bad situation and make it even better for you. I remember I was passing a church in Clarendon, and I had just bought my second car. It was a brand new car. In Jamaica, we call it brand new secondhand. It's one of those cars that you import, so you're the first driver in Jamaica. And I remember driving the car to my youth choir practice that Friday night from the war. And when I got in, went to choir practice with my young people, came back out, and dropped them home like I would normally do. While I was dropping them, the last person parked on the other side of the road, two gunmen came along and decided that it was their car. So I stepped out, had in the keys, they jumped in, and they drove off. So I went to church the following morning, Sabbath morning, and the members heard what happened the night before. And they said, Pastor, what are you doing here? You should be at home. You went to a very traumatic experience. And I smiled and I said, no, I'm still good. I'm still here. And I can still give God praise. It was a difficult situation. And I said to the Lord, Lord, why you allow that to happen? I just bought this car. In fact, I have to pay for this car for years to come. With no car. And for a year, I had no car. And then the insurance decided they, they was going to pay me. So for two years, they didn't pay. Then came something tragic. My mother developed cancer. And she passed. And there was no money in the family to bury my mother. Then the insurance called and said, the money for your car is ready. You can pick it up. Two years afterward. So there was the money to bury my mother and also to buy another car. No, if God did not somehow orchestrate that very bad thing to turn around something good, then there's no way I've gotten through that difficult patch in my life. But the Lord knows best. Some things may happen to you, but you don't need to start complaining about that which has already happened to you. You do have a greater future ahead of you in Christ. 
for God work, he works all things together for them who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. This is important because this only works when you're in love with God. If you're not in love with God, then it won't work out for you. It won't make any sense to you. It won't have any effect on you. But when you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, then all these bad things can turn around for good. You can have a testimony of what God has done for you. It works for good when you're in love with him. You know, there are some of us who are not in love with God. Mark you, we serve God. We are faithful. We study his word. But we have no love relationship. No real connection. Nothing that promises us. LNGY says, if we, in steps of Christ, if we love God, our very thoughts will be of him continually. It will be like you, 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 you're in love with this individual, like you love your spouse or your partner or your friend. And every time you're there, you're thinking about that person and the person's best interest. NGY says, when you're in love with God, everything that you do is about him. You think about him. You're talking to him. You're praying about him. Your life is orchestrated to please him. And when we love God, no matter how bad things may get around you, no matter how your family may be breaking apart and your children are disobedient, no matter how if your work is collapsing and somehow you can't find jobs, no matter if you're struggling, you know that God is there for you. All things work together. All things. You may be walking down the street. And somehow there is something in the way and you stumble. And you catch your balance and you get up. Don't turn around and start cursing the stone or whatever it is. And say, who left that there? No, be thankful. Say, Lord, I'm glad that I'm the one who tripped over that object. Let me move it so the next person who comes may be better off. Find something to thank God for. In everything, we can give him thanks. Because, my friends, we have been called, and we are following his leading. Look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. And whom he called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. What shall, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us. This is where we find some comfort because Paul here states that the Lord foreknows. In fact, God knows us before we're even conceived in our mother's womb. He knows everything about us. And not only did he know, not only did he plan and know everything about your life and every single step and what will happen to you, he also did predestinate. Now, that word may seem as if the Lord had planned out your life. Not necessarily. He has predestinated one thing for you, that you will be saved. That he will always create a path, an exit way for you to go unto what he will have you to do. 
It's like you're driving on the highway and you have all these exit points. You can stay on the highway and continue driving and driving and driving and driving. But the Lord has created a little exit for you so you can come off the regular highway of life and go onto the path that he has for you. It may be narrow. It may be winding. It may be even really difficult. But when you're on the path the Lord has for you, he has predestined for you, you are far better off than on the broad highway that leads to destruction. For he foreknew, he predestinates, and when he predestinates, he calls, and when he calls, my friends, he then justifies, and when he justifies, he glorifies. That's the kind of God that we serve, and if we simply follow his prompting and his leading, we, my friends, will be glorified, not just in this life, but for the life to come. But here, Paul gives us something new. Paul says, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. If God be for us, who can be against us? If you go to verse, let's continue, verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but living up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the child of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, was who maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now watch this now. Shall it be tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Or sword, as it's written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that love us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm a firm believer that nothing, nothing, nothing can pluck us out of the hand of God. The only way God can ever let us go, the only way God can ever allow us to come out of his hand is if we choose of our own volition to leave him. But once we are steadfast, once our minds are with him, there is nothing, nothing whatsoever, no one can do that can separate us from the love of God. He will consistently and always hold us and surround us and protect us. And therefore, we can always find something to rejoice about. We can always celebrate God's blessings. For we are more than conquerors. So, you are having a family troubles. Children are not being obedient. Don't worry about it so much. Don't fret about it so much. Pray about it. I remember a particular family there. Their son was a bit wayward. And the mother came to me and she said, Pastor, 
Jamaican colloquium, this boy too bad, pastor. I'm too bad. I can't deal with this boy. You know what, pastor? I'm going to turn him out of the house. I'm going to send him on his way because he's not listening to me, pastor. I'm going to send him out on his own. Let him feel it for himself. And I heard the mother's pain and I said to her, if your son is that bad, imagine what it would mean if you send him out on the street. He's bad, but at least you know where he is. When he goes on his own, you will not know, do you want to run that risk? She said, well, pastor, I can't be with him anymore. I said, well, it's better he's bad under your nose, in your presence, than he's out there on his own. Time passed. She saw me and she said, pastor, I'm glad I did not send my son out. Because the very friends that he had, they were all now in prison. And she was able to shelter him a little bit. She said, no, pastor, he's, he's not listening to me, no, pastor. And occasionally he does come to church with me now. I said to her, that was probably the better thing for you because if you had ever sent him out, you'd have been in trouble. Sometimes we can look at this thing and say, you know what? This is not working out. I need to jump out of it. I need to go my separate way. I need to do my own thing. But my friends, it's better you abide in the Lord and don't do your own thing. Amen. It's better that we keep it and remember that we are conquerors. We are victors. And if we simply speak to our God and talk to him, the Lord says that we will be victors and we will have dominion. And therefore, we can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say we must rejoice. Bad things will happen. I can assure you that bad things will happen to you. But I can also assure you that the Lord is with you. And we can count our blessings. We can celebrate his blessings. My final text comes from Acts chapter 16. It's a story about Paul, an apostle for Christ. Acts chapter 16, and it's one of those stories that for many of us, we will say, Lord, this doesn't really make sense. In Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul and his companion were about preaching the gospel of Christ. In verse 16, they came to a particular village, and a demon-possessed girl was following behind them. She was crying out that these men, verse 17, are the servant of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now watch us now. Paul is preaching the gospel, trying to win souls for Christ. A demon-possessed girl is behind him shouting truth Shouting truth. Paul then turns around and actually casts out the demon. Now we will say, why did Paul even decide to cast out the demon out of this girl? She was actually speaking truth. And in fact, she was like their loud cry. So everywhere they went, people would know that they are teaching the way of salvation. But Paul thought it best that since the 
entire community know her as a soothsayer, that it will not be the correct medium to which to proclaim what they were trying to do. So they distanced himself from the girl. He cast out the demon. Now, this should have been a good thing. The entire village should have rejoiced that this demon-possessed girl was now freed from the bonds of demon possession. But it did not make them happy. Verse 19 says that when the masters of the little girls saw that the way for them to make money was now gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them in the marketplace of the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, the judges, and therefore said to them, these men are giving exceeding trouble in our city. No, Paul and Silas was not giving any trouble. They were law-abiding. And there are persons who say, well, at this point in time, the Lord should have stepped in and delivered Paul. Why? Because Paul was on a mission feed for God. The Lord should have stepped in for Paul because Paul had cast out the demon. He was doing his work. Why didn't God step in and stop it? But they didn't see the hand of God. So, they were charged. The crowds became angry. The same crowd that he was speaking to about the love of Christ. And then they did something in verse 22 that was remarkable. Though Paul and Silas did not break any law, the magistrates actually stripped them naked and flogged them. And if that was not sufficient, they gave Paul and Silas over to the jailer and told the jailer to take care of them. And the jailer took Paul and Silas like hardened criminals to the very back of the prison and put them in stocks, locked them up tight in the back of the prison, dungeon, dark, dirty, dingy, as any old criminal. And the question is, where is God? Where is God? These men were doing God's bidding. Shouldn't God have stepped in and sent some angels and just grabbed the soldier's hand before they whipped them? Why did the Lord allow them to be whipped? And not only to be whipped, to be cast into the dungeon in the very back of the prison. Where is God? And Paul, Silas, at midnight, decided to do something. They began to worship. They began to sing and to pray. And their voice echoed. And I don't know where Paul and Silas got the energy because they should be really retired. They haven't eaten anything, but yet still they began to praise. They began to ring out. And as they were singing, and as they were praying, and as they were praising God, something miraculous happened. In verse 26, it says an earthquake came. And it caused everything to be loose. The prison door flanged open. And I could have said, well, if I was Paul, I would have made a dash for it. I would jump out and I began to run because the Lord has set me free. But Paul and Silas stayed there in prison. They stayed. The jailer, recognizing what had happened, decided to kill himself. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. The jailer then took Paul home. Take care of 
his wounds on his back. Paul spent the night in his home. And the entire family was baptized. And you ask, where is God? God was right there. Probably the only way Paul could have ever gotten to this jailer and his family were here for him to be in prison. And the Lord put Paul and Silas through all that just to save a family. By saving the head of the house, he saved the entire family. And when there were acts about their freedom, Paul said, you know what? The same persons who put us in here must come and set us free. Because even them needed to get a lesson. And they had to come and set them free. The same persons who did it. It tells me, my friends, that the way our God works, sometimes we may not understand what he's doing. We may not see his hand. But trust his heart. Trust that he's looking out for you. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. He's making a way for you. You may not get it right now. But submit to him. Give him everything. Thank him for what he's doing. And what he will do. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Celebrate it. And see what God will do for you. You know, an injury white, in speaking in the great controversy, in the last, in the series of the conflict of ages, he said that when we get to heaven, all that we have been through, all the turmoil, the trouble, the tribulation, will vanish in just one moment. In paradise. Things that we make such a big deal about now. Things that we fuss about now. When we get to heaven will not matter. The only problem is for us to get to heaven. We must be in love with God. We must serve him. And we must trust him. This song selected to close is 632. My heart can sing when I pause to remember a heartache here is but a stepping stone along a trail that's winding always upward. This troubled world is not my final home. But until then, my heart will go on singing until then, with joy, I'll carry on. Until then, until the day my eyes behold the city. Until the day God calls me home. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what rough patch you may be in. I don't know what the circumstances of your life may be. What difficulties may be plaguing you right now. What I'm saying, my friends, despite your trouble, celebrate God's blessing. Despite your troubles, thank him and praise him. Despite your trouble, love him with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, 
And my friends, he will definitely direct your path. If you would like the Lord to direct your path, to thank him even for the bad times, you would like to celebrate God's blessing, not just now, but for the rest of your days. I invite you to stand with me as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we recognize that we live in a world filled with sin and its results. We recognize that we have turmoil all around us. The economy is not as robust as we would like it to be. Financially, we are not where we think we should be. Lord, our family lives are not perfect. Especially when we compare with, with Hollywood and the television and what's going on there, we feel that our experience is inadequate as a people. Our children may not be as obedient as they ought. Lord, there is still the issue of racism in this land. Despite the fact that it has been pushed away and banned so long ago, there are still issues plaguing people right now. Lord, we understand that all these things are around us. We understand that church is not perfect. That there are still persons who are in church who are like who are hypocrites, who do the wrong thing, who behave badly. And if we look to them as a person we should watch, then we'll be in trouble. But Lord, you have not asked us to look to anyone but to you. So Lord, we ask that you will help us to focus on you. We ask that you will help us to love you with all our hearts, our souls, and our minds. We ask that you will build up that relationship so when we are faced with adversities, Lord, we can still rejoice because we have this hope that burns within our hearts. Lord, there are persons who are at the altar who have not yet committed their entire life to you. But Lord, they too will like to celebrate even when things are bad. They too will like to thank you when things are going down. They can look up to you. So Lord, I ask that you will empower them to surrender everything to you. That they will give their entire life and demonstrate that when the water shall be troubled again. That they will give you all and go down to that water of baptism and rise anew with you. We ask for that transformational power in all of us. Lord, that you will baptize us not just with water, but by your spirit. And Lord, that we will live the life that truly counts. We have a very short time left on this earth. We know because the signs all around us tell us that your coming is soon. And Lord, we will like to be ready for that appearing. So, Lord, until then, may our hearts continue to sing and glorify you. 
Lord, until then, help us not to look on the cares of this world. Yes, we'll have these things, but you said that you will take care of us. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. You have everything in your hand. You have, you foreknow us, you predestinate us, you will call us, you will establish us, you will justify us, and Lord, you say you will glorify us, and Lord, we place our lives in your hand. Continue to sanctify us, and Lord, help us always to look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. We praise you. We thank you. We glorify you. Lord, help us not to have that complaining spirit anymore. But Lord, to smile when the storm comes. Lord, we ask that you will continue to transform us and empower us. As we move forward, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't move. Just bow your heads where you are. Just bow your heads. I want you to imagine something for me. Imagine that you're standing and there's nothing around you. Then suddenly out of nowhere, there are rocks coming at you. And one happened to kind of nick you on the hand. And as if you were about to turn around and say to God, God, where are you? Why did you allow that rock to fall from the sky and hit me on the hand? And then I want you to look up and realize that your God was there protecting you all the time. There were bigger rocks and boulders that wanted to fall on you. But because he was sheltering and protect you, one little pebble slipped through. And then you can turn to your God and say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you and glorify you. You can shout hallelujah because the Lord is there for you. And even though you may have got a little nick on your hand, the Lord will step right down and you will hush it and soothe it back into health. Preacher God standing there for you. And now. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you peace. Peace at work, peace at school, peace in your communities, peace in your families, peace at church but above all, peace in your hearts. Not just for now, but forevermore. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. We pray that you have been blessed by the word of God. 
We are also encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch the lives of others. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at savinggracesda.org.